Well, good morning, Elsia. Today is Sunday, February 7th, 2021. As we continue with our Dialing In During Dark Days series, today's message will be titled, Dialing In Empowered Deeds. Amen. Dialing In Empowered Deeds. Everybody turn with me to John chapter 14. We're going to read verse 12. And today, I'm going to read this verse in the ESV. Empowered. There you go. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And, I say and. And. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Church, I don't know that I could be any more encouraged by hearing the words of prophecy, the unplanned, spirit-led, in-the-moment kind of words that came forth during our worship time. To let God, to let us know what God is thinking about us, that he is ready to move on our behalf, that we put down our fear. Why? So that we can be empowered and accomplish his will. We're so excited to be in a time where the men and the women, the families of LCM are dialing in your discernment. Somebody yeah. say dialing in. Dialing See, in. we took a while to dial in our discernment, but that's not the end of it. That's not the last thing that you need to dial in. We then begin to dial in our partnership. Somebody say dial in. Dial in. We dial in our partnership with God and are becoming ever more able to do the works that Jesus did. That is what we are aimed at, and that's what we'll accomplish. Yeah. Look, we're even more excited about being empowered to do even greater works. Greater works that are founded on the truth that Jesus went to the Father. Jesus partnered with the Father. And that on our behalf, and that is very our very possession to have now that uh, partnership with Jesus as Jesus has it with the Father. Come on, somebody say dialed in. Dialed in. See, it's one thing to dial in your discernment. It's another thing to get to where you are privileged in dialing in an actual partnership with God. And then you're assigned deeds, and now God is going to help us and empower us today. Yeah. But before we fully embark on these greater works, as is our custom, let's clinch with the current state of the dark days so that we understand how great that these greater works are going to appear. How, how, how beautiful, how bright is the light when it is set against the darkness. See, that's why when you go to a jewelry store, they put, some, they put a black felt behind it. Why? To make the light of what you have stand out against it. That's what we're going to do right now. And we're going to uh, get there right now. Oh, Pastor, as you mentioned that, uh, I, I can't imagine myself in Cassidy. Uh, the reason that I figured I am so brown, dark am I yet lovely is to illuminate the radiance of how beautiful my wife is. <laughs> Enough about that. I mean, we, my mind's on maximizing marriage here. Still on Friday night, huh? Okay. <laughs> hey, you guys agree that these are dark days. We've been speaking to you about the rapid nature in which what we preach and current events coincide. Last Wednesday, we told you about a U.S. representative named Marjorie Taylor Greene. And it's a U.S. representative from Georgia. She was just sworn in this last or this January, but as of last Thursday morning, there was a vote that she has been now removed from all of her committee assignments because of her personal beliefs and social media accounts. Unlike all the other 
U.S. representatives that exist, right? Well, we took a quick look at the Wikipedia article highlighting some information about Ms. Green, and it shows the following, right? Marjorie Taylor Greene, born May 27, 1974, is an American. Okay, that's a plus. Far-right politician, businesswoman, and conspiracy theorist. See the progression. Fact, 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 and assumed fact. Serving as the U.S. representative for Georgia's 14th Congressional District. This is, this is incredible. We spoke to you about it on Wednesday. On Thursday, they removed her from her committee post. But it's not just our representatives in Congress. Jake Sullivan, who is our national security advisor, said that domestic extremism is the urgent crisis of our time. The most important part. Rooting out this is more important than anything else that he has as his job. He stated this in a White House briefing room to the press. And that the goal is to face the challenges that everyday Americans, I mean, you and me, the, the real challenges that we're dealing with, such as the global pandemic, climate change, because goodness knows that's the biggest concern that we have is climate change right now, and the threat of domestic violent extremism. Interestingly enough, all of these claims of domestic extremism are spoken, the phrase is ad nauseum. That means it's over and over and over and over again, actually, until you get sick of it. But with no definition of what the extremism actually is. These are dark days that we're in. You know, when pastor said the word ad nauseum, I can't help but think of the abundance of ad nauseum in our media broadcast. Uh, I don't have cable. I don't have news. I don't look at it. I look at just some headlines on Fox News. But I know it's out there. Well, it brings back to memory a couple of decades ago. Uh, a very wise uh, uh, perception by an Israeli official that was spoken to us. He said, in regarding media broadcasts, he said, the media cannot tell you what to think, but they can tell you what to think about. This is so true. We've seen it true for decades and decades, but I see an even darker day upon us now than there was when this man first spoke this. Because this is why. In these dark days, the media can tell our populace what to think because our populace wants to hear what they're espousing. They automatically agree with it, and it's an attitude of whatever you say, I'm going to take wholeheartedly as truth with no fact-checking whatsoever. As we engage with these topics today, we want to let you know about something else that took place on Thursday. Our defense secretary, the secretary of defense, who's a retired general named Lloyd Austin, ordered a stand down of the entire U.S. military for a 60 day time period. A stand down. That means that they are uh, off duty. They relax the preparation parts because of the need to address extremism in the ranks of the U.S. military. Now, the original post was that it was going to be 60 days of a stand-down, and he since, because he caught some flack, actually changed it from a 60-day stand-down to a stand-down of only a day with a 60-day focus on correcting this problem in the U.S. military. Uh, I want you to understand that this domestic violent extremism that, that our leaders are saying, willing to close down our military for two months, because this, this is the main topic that we have to address right now. And look, during, during his confirmation hearings, Secretary Austin pledged that he would rid our ranks of racist and extremist. 
although he declined to offer details on how he planned to see that through. He went on to say, we also owe our people a working environment free of discrimination, hate, and harassment. If confirmed, I will fight hard to stamp out sexual assault, to rid our ranks of racists and extremists, and to create a climate where everyone fit and willing has the opportunity to serve this country with dignity. Now, at first listening, that may sound all like noble things, but when you understand that this particular gentleman is going after allowing the most sinful in our population, if they are fit and willing, to allow transgender, to allow a lot of different sinful things into the military and make sure that they're welcomed in. Well, he went on to say this, quote, the job of the Department of Defense is to keep America safe from our enemies, but we can't do that if some of those enemies lie within our own ranks, end quote. The focus is a more on domestic in, internal military vulnerabilities based on the very things that we mentioned earlier. This barely veiled attempt to continually speak about the enemies that lie within. Do you hear this? It, it's, in almost every, it's almost in every station, the enemies that lie within. The problems aren't without anymore. The problems are the things that are within. And, in, and increasingly, these are paired with propagation of fear. That the terms extremist, that the, these terms are allowing for the most unprecedented infringement of civil liberties and constitutional freedoms that we've ever seen in the history of our country. Let's take a case in point, right? Uh, every single person in this room, with the exception of a few youth, uh, you have a bank account, right? Single men, do you have a bank account? I, that's good news. We're taking note of that. So, case in point of what we're talking about here. The Bank of America had a, a, an issue. Let's call it for what it is, a scandal come about this past week. The Bank of America, right? Not the bank of anywhere else. Is the second largest bank in the United States with over 60 million customers and is now being recruited in the hunt for extremist, domestic extremist. Look, without knowledge or consent of its customers, they divulged information directly to the FBI about their customers. What are they divulging without consent? Well, in the name of dealing with insurrection in Washington, D.C., they are providing lists of people who purchased anything in D.C. between the dates of January 5th and January 6th. Now, we're talking, not talking about criminal suspects, not knucklehead cousins with a long rap sheet. <laughs> what we're talking about are citizens in that region of D.C. between these dates purchasing coffee or reserved an Airbnb or, or made a, uh, an airline purchase since January 6th or purchased anything from a weapons merchant, even a T-shirt during the dates prior to the inauguration. Look, we're going to try to, to move on from this clinch, but we want you to, to get an understanding of what's going on. This produced hundreds of Bank of American clients that met as they said, these thresholds of interest. Interviews were then conducted by the FBI with some of these members. Understand these aren't interviews because you've done anything wrong, because you've become a criminal. It's because your bank told a federal organization of your spending habits so that you're now treated like a terror suspect. And not just a terror suspect, but one that 
is potentially contributing to an insurrection. Mm. See, this is why we keep using these terms. This is, we're just trying to expose some darkness to you here so that you understand how bright the light is that God is going to shine through us. Amen. You guys getting the picture? Look, I got one more for you. Just, I mean, it's, it's recent, fresh off the press. I got to put on my, my spectacles to read this one correctly. Make sure I get it. I don't want to mess this good, up. Good idea. There we go. We have a quote from an interview that occurred last week with our current vice president. In response to claims that executive orders recently signed will put many West Virginian coal mine, everybody say coal mine, coal mine, coal mine workers out of jobs. This was her response. All of those skilled workers who are in the coal industry and transferring those skills to what we need to do in terms of dealing with reclaiming abandoned landmines. Quote, end quote. <laughs> landmines. Pastor, I, I didn't realize some of y'all are sitting there and going, wait, wait, wait. I thought we were talking about coal mines. Yes. Yes, we were. I, I didn't realize that uh, landmines were the problem in West Virginia. <laughs> you know, West Virginia, West Bank, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, well, it's easy enough to chalk this gaffe up to uh, the hazards of public speaking, one that we have participated many times ourselves. But with all of this preceding dark moments that we just described, it's not completely beyond reason to consider this far more than just a uh, Freudian slip. Somebody say dialed in. Dialed in. Man, now that you're dialed into the darkness, what we have for you going forward is going to show you the brightness of God's very presence in your lives. See, the truth is, is I know the vice president misspoke and talked about landmines instead of coal mines. But the truth is, is in these dark days, there are many things. There are many hidden, sometimes buried devices that are designed with explosive force to yes. steal your partnership with God, to kill your confidence so that you won't be able to carry out the divine deeds that are yours and to destroy the greater works that the Father has prepared to accomplish through you. Mm. See, those that have dialed in partnership with the Father, those that are wanting to accomplish the Father's divinely directed deeds on earth should be expected you should expect to be empowered by the Father yeah. to accomplish the things that he has yes. designed for you to do. Those yes. were the words that came forward this morning, and this is the life that he's going to bring to your soul. We're not asking you to understand what we're saying as much as we're asking you to engage. Somebody raise your right hand. Say, I will engage. I will engage with the word of God, with the word of God and what the spirit is saying to me today, what the spirit is saying to me, turn to Genesis chapter 47, say empowered. Whenever you get to Genesis 47, 27, are you guys expecting empowerment as we go through this word? Yeah. Amen. So am I thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Some of you guys have picked up, but the beginning of many of our sermons, or all of our sermons so far, have gone to this land of Goshen. We wanted you to understand this region of Goshen would serve as the foundation of Israel, the foundation of Jacob himself, because verse 28 begins with. Jacob being in Goshen, and it deals with the nation of Israel that comes from Jacob. 
these guys being settled in the land for the current generation of Jacob's time and the generations yet to come. Yeah. Let me put it more, more simply. Israel's fruitfulness and ability to multiply greatly were accomplished within the boundaries of this region of Goshen. Notice how they gained possessions in it. Not outside of Goshen, inside the boundaries of Goshen. See, Goshen was the boundary line that had fallen in pleasant places, Amen. Pastor Wade. Amen to that. So that they could do even greater works than Joseph did. Joseph arrived to Egypt long before they ever did. But the whole purpose is that Joseph would set up a region where they could be fruitful and greatly multiply. These boundary lines that they could trust. We, we look at this and we immediately understand when we settle into a partnership with God, like Israel, you will begin to gain possessions. You'll begin to thrive in fruitful deeds, deeds and fruit that continue to bear more fruit. You will increase with great power. The Hebrew word used here is meod, great multiplication, multiplication that can't stop, won't be stopped. Oh, can't stop, won't It'll stop. continue to multiply. This generation of Israel that settled in Goshen, this generation that gained possessions, acquired land, thrived in fruitful deeds, and multiplied in power, man, they, they were so prolific. They were verdant. So verdant that they became a vast nation of people and began to be mistreated in this land of Egypt. The Lord heard their cries during that time of mistreatment. He saw their plight and was concerned with them. So he, God, partnered with Moses and sent him out to set his people free. Come on, is there anybody in this room that is learning to partner with God? You're dialing in your partnership? Yes. Is anybody that's inspired because God is beginning to speak to you about the deeds that you must do, the divine deeds that he's given you? Is there anybody in this house? Is there anybody in this house that's still trying to dial in your deeds? Yeah, amen. That's where we are. Amen. See, it's not going to be a singular sermon and you have every deed. See, what we're working towards is continual process in this. We're going to turn to Exodus 33, but before you do, everybody look up here at me. Before you turn to Exodus 33, now this is the most Bible literate group of people that I've ever been around. Why don't you walk through this with us and let's pretend like you haven't read that a thousand times. Okay, we're going to go to Exodus 33 and as you turn there now, let me help set the context for you so that you get where we're going. This passage is taking place after the Exodus, after they've come out. See, they've been led out of Egypt with mighty hand of God, with incredible and great acts of judgment. God has been ever faithful. Not never faithful, but God has been ever faithful to his promise to lead his people to settle in the very geographic place, in the actual physical land that God had promised to Abraham, that he renewed that promise to Isaac. And then he re-renewed it with Jacob, that we've walked through Joseph and we see, and now God is partnering with Moses to fulfill divine direction, to fulfill the divine purpose that God has for him. All right, so let's go to Exodus 33. And when you get to verse 12, somebody say empowered deeds. Verse 12 says this, Moses said to the Lord, Hey Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Everybody say whom, whom I just like saying that it's very proper. You have said, I know you by name 
and you have found favor with me. Now, we can see the beauty of this passage for Moses, but we also understand that God was saying some of these very similar things to us today, that you have found favor with me. There might be archonic action that's going on that's over the land, but you have found favor with me. See, I love in this passage Moses' transparency before the Lord. I love it. It encourages me to no end because it helps me to know how I'm going to move forward in the same path that I see Moses moving forward in. He is clearly accepting that partnership with God is not even in question. If you are here and you are part of our family and there's still a question about partnering with God, I'm just going to say, get on board. You just, that, that should not even be a question for you. It's our desire in this place to partner with God. Lord, you've been telling me that you know me. I, I found favor with you. you. You've been telling me that we're partners. Is anybody still reveling in the fact that God and wants to partner with you? Not only that he wants to partner with you, but he is partnering with you. Yes. That is an incredible thing for us, to, for us to have here. God, you've been telling me all about the divine deeds that I need, the divine things that I have to achieve. You tell me to lead these people. And by the way, this is the chapter after they just had the golden calf incident. He's already led them out. He's already gotten to Mount Sinai. They've gone through the Red Sea. They have now, they're now here at this place, and they're still having difficulties. And God said, I got divine deeds for you. Yeah, I realize that those, that those aren't deeds that you would have chosen for yourself. I realize that they're way more difficult than you thought, but I'm giving them to you. Church, maybe you feel the same way. Yes, pastors, we get it. We're going to partner with God. Yes, pastor, we want to have divine deeds. But the truth is, is that sometimes we get a little bit, uh, what I find here in this room with this group of people, is we can point you towards a, towards a map on the wall and say, this is the region that God will give us. And some of you are inspired. Some of you are moved in your soul and saying, I, yes, I can do this. My family will do this. And others of us look at it and realize and think that it's too big. We don't know the steps we don't know how we're going to get there. And we let that fear, Miss Joe, we let yeah. that fear creep into us. And instead of it being something that moves us, that causes us to rise up, we actually step back just a little bit. Hey, I know you're telling me to maximize my marriage, but it's not nearly as easy as I thought. Perhaps, perhaps I end up shrinking back. Somebody say, that's bad. That's never a good thing. See, I can talk about and say, yes, I can trust that he knows me. I can trust. But when I look at the group, I can realize that God is finding favor here in this place where we're having children, an abundance of children, where, where we are having our group of people in the midst of a pandemic not lose jobs but gain better jobs, that our finances aren't depleting. God is causing us to grow. Why? Because he is working on us about cultivating our storehouse. He's giving us the ability to, to dial in. But, Pastor, I don't want to be ungrateful, but it just feels like there still should be something else that helps us to do this. What's the distance between here's the region of a swan and actually having many, many families there? Can somebody acknowledge that there might be a few steps in there? Can you acknowledge with transparency why you see Moses responding the way he does? Look, I know you're with me. I know you said we're going to do this, but I, 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 I need some more help. I need to, does anybody ever felt like you need some more help to achieve what God has? 
We've got prophecies for the families like the Robinsons. If, you're, if they're anything like me, they're like, yeah, I need some help to be able to do this. Let's look at the next verse to see how God begins to develop this. Look, before we read this, we want you to clearly understand the first step that we see in this passage. Everybody say first step. First step. The first step that we see in having empowered deeds is transparency. Transparency is the beginning of having empowered deeds. We're going to see this clearly displayed and progress forward in Moses' life and in others. So watch this, this item of transparency in verse 13. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways so I may know you. I may know the Father and continue to find favor with you. See, that transparency is being communicated here. It's not something that is a deficiency in the past. It's, Lord, I have a hunger. I have a desire to continue with the divine deeds that you put in front of me. But I'm going to be honest with you. I want to know you rightly. I want to know myself rightly so that I can carry out these deeds to completion and only by the power that you give me. The verse concludes with, remember that this nation is your people. So what Moses is saying here, he's saying, show me how you want me to accomplish these divine deeds. That's the heart. That's the attitude we are cultivating right now in this church. Like pastor said, yes, you are walking through that process of partnering with God's will. You know the divine directly uh, deeds that he's given you. And now it's time to be empowered to go do them. And that transparency says, Lord, show me, teach me, Yara, point it out, shoot me in the right direction of how to accomplish the things that you told me I'm designed to do. It's a cry for empowerment. And it's based on this one principle. It's humility. Humility is not thinking any higher than you should or any lower than you should. It's a sober judgment of knowing the Father and knowing yourself. Let's make this very clear. Transparency empowers you to be taught by God. Man, there's nothing more detrimental than walking around and projecting that you know something than that you really don't. And the minute it begins to come out of your mouth, everybody else knows it. They know it before you do, that you don't know what you're talking about. But the minute that there is transparency that is founded on humility, there's an empowerment to understand the things of God. There's an empowerment to transmit the things of God. And transparency, in addition to being taught by God, it empowers you to continue in his favor. It's not just that one moment in worship, that one moment in prayer time that you felt his presence and he said, I'm pleased with you. It's a continual favor that you're walking in. That's what empowerment looks like that starts in transparency. Look, Moses is saying the same things that many of you in this room are saying. We want to know you. We want to continue to partner with you, Father, because we want to be empowered by you to do your will. Moses is saying, look, these, these deeds, when he's saying, remember, this, this, this nation is your people. These deeds are assigned by you, God. It originated with you. You brought it through Abraham. You brought it through Isaac. You partnered with Jacob. You partnered with Joseph. And now it's my turn to take the baton and continue it down the field. He's saying this nation is yours. This family is yours. This house is yours. 
I can't help but look at this and see us as pastors and elders, and we're saying the same thing. Lord, this church is yours. These people are yours, mighty God. These divine deeds you've given us are yours, and we're crying for empowerment that begins with transparency. Let's look at verse 14. The Lord replied. Moses is engaging with the Lord, and now the Lord is speaking back to him. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. The Lord's solution for a man who is crying out saying, Lord, I get the partnership part. Lord, I know that there are deeds that I have to accomplish, but I'm not quite sure how to do it. What, what can you help me? And the Lord says, yes, I'm going to send my presence. Isn't it encouraging to you to know that it's God's solution to empower you? It should, yes. it should be a blessing to your soul. This is not what Moses asked for. He says, uh, you're telling me how to do, you're telling me what I must do. I need your help. And God says, I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to empower you. My presence will go with you. The promise of being spirit empowered so that you can see divine results. Church, understand we're not just talking about being filled with the spirit so that you can speak in other tongues. Those are the, that's an initial sign. Somebody say initial. That's the first of course, we want you to speak in tongues. Of course, we want you to be spirit filled. But why is the spirit coming upon Moses the way that he is? Because he's got a yeah. partnership with God because he's got deeds that must be done. A common way to think is that you need to receive the Holy Spirit because of what it will do for you, of how it will make you feel. Moses is saying, I've got to accomplish what you want me to accomplish. And God says, for that kind of man, I'm going to empower you. For that kind of woman, I will pour my presence upon you. That kind of person is more than just focused on speaking in tongues only. That's the initial. And I'm not putting down on speaking in tongues. I'm saying that's the first baby step. The itty, bitty, baby step is speaking in tongues. The point is that you are empowered by God to accomplish what God has put in your life. We're going to help you to get it. I got, I got some heads that are starting to nod. Okay. You're saying that we should be spirit filled. Yes, but a lot more. I'm saying that most of us in the room may have been thinking about being spirit filled in the wrong kind of way. You might be thinking about what you're receiving instead of the fact that he's supposed to be empowering your deeds so you accomplish yeah. what God has put you on the planet for. Amen. Those divine deeds. Yes, divine deeds. How are you going to get it done? Because if they're divine, you can't do them anyway. Isn't that a conundrum? Isn't that the problem? He's given us these divine deeds. Yes, we want to do them. <laughs> that was my technical language. Ah! That's exactly ah! There. Interpret that amongst yourselves. It's like the first time I try to blow a shofar. <laughs> That's exactly what it's on. Do you guys are you guys catching that in verse 12 Moses is saying, "Whom will you send?" Yeah. Who who whom will go with me? God's answer? God's answer is, "I will." I will send my spirit with you. I will, he will go and walk with you. This, you don't need more details in your life. What God did not answer him is say, these are the 48 steps between here and tomorrow that you must take. This is not a dossier of details. Not a steel dossier, not a Russian dossier. It's not any kind of dossier that has details in it. It is the empowerment of the spirit that you need. 
That's what you need. Stop worrying in your own mind. Stop worrying in your own heart because it's fear-based that you need more details before you can do the will of the Lord. Yeah. That's wrong. You need more of the Spirit of God so that you can do the will of the Lord. Yes. And then he says, I will give you rest. I will still that worry that you have on the inside of you. I will quiet the chaos of your worries when the spirit comes upon you. You do not need more details, church. You need more of the spirit and power in your life. You do not need to feel better about something, church. You need more power of God in your life, walking with you and causing you to fulfill what he is doing. I promise you, when you're successful at fulfilling the will of God, you don't need to worry about it. You start not caring about the details. You start not worrying about how you're feeling in the moment because you're being moved. That empowerment is supposed to transform you on the inside. What does it do? It transforms you so you can achieve the divine deeds. And it'll help you to overcome and find rest for your fears every single time. Mm. Church, I, I look out and I see men and women, young men and young women, who are crying out for empowerment who are longing to be transparent so that they can experience the empowerment that results in transformation. Transformed. Transparency is the first step. Transformation is the second step. I'm looking at men and women who are experiencing the miracle at the labor. Experiencing that renewal, that rebirth, getting that image of God renewed inside of you, seeing that your life is actually changing. I'm not the same today than I was yesterday, a month ago, and man, a year ago. I'm looking at lives that are continually changing, being transformed into the image of God. I'm looking at Timo becoming more and more of a handsome, single, available man of God. I'm looking at families that are growing, and not just by no multiplication of numbers. I'm watching Shalom grow in every single household. Ray and Ruby, you are not the same couple today that you were yesterday. There's an ever-growing transformation because it started with a transparency that was a cry for empowerment. God is helping us live in our Abigail nature. He's helping us accomplish this. Well, look at verse 15, Moses' response. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from the here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. In Moses reply, you know what we hear? He gets it. He gets it. It's an agreement with what the Lord is already saying. I agree with you, Lord. I can't do this without being empowered by your spirit. I will be tenacious in my pursuit of your spirit. See, we have a transparency, a cry for empowerment that leads to transformation. And then that's going to produce a tenacity to go and do the will of God. You see this in Moses. There's a resolve in him like never before. I am now in full partnership with God so that I can be in full empowerment by God. Yeah. And I'm going to do the will of God. See, Moses is in agreement with. 
He's in partnership with God here, and he finds empowerment as a result of it. And it's because God is pleased with him. Do you want to know the secret to pleasing God? Yes. Yes. Does everybody want to know this? Here's the answer. Partner with him. Partner with him. It's just that simple. When you begin to partner with God, you will be empowered to do the deeds of God. When God is pleased with a man, he shows his pleasure by empowering his partner and going with him the entire way until the will of the Father is accomplished. God valued partnership with Moses so much that he called him a friend and spoke with him face to face. The Lord said to him in this passage, I will do the very thing you asked. Sending his spirit to help Moses because Moses pleased the Lord and was known by God, by his reputation, his deeds, his body of work, Moses, Shem, and very deeds that were displayed. This empowerment was for the purpose of Moses doing even greater works than he had done before. Church, turn with us to the book of Numbers, chapter 27. Numbers, chapter 27. Numbers 27 and verse 18 says this. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hands on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Church, I want you to look up at me here. I am, I'm feeling like a caged lion on this stage right now. I don't know if you can feel it brewing in you, but I'm telling you that God is wanting to do something in our midst today. You're hearing men like Moses and you may be putting him in a different category. I'm telling you right here that this is the category that you're in, that this is the category that I'm in. We're not just talking about merely having a singular experience. We're talking about being empowered by God himself. See, Moses here, he is standing and it's not just about him. He is so partnered with God and been so empowered that he is able to give command. He is able to commission a brother like Joshua to go forward and do more than what he did. To actually get them into the promised land. To actually fulfill God's promises here. He commissioned a commission. He is able to partner with somebody because he had already learned this from the Lord. He's laying his hands on the next generation. He's investing authority. Moses was not the origin of the authority, but it was Moses' hands that God used to imbue the authority. It was God, and it was God that said for him to give it to Joshua. Moses, having partnered with God, still had deeds that needed to be completed. And he's going to need, and he needed the next generation to be able to complete it. Amen. See, this is part of our answer. We're dialing you into part of this answer. How are you going to get to a swan? You're not going to be, we're not, if we send everybody right now, we couldn't get there. Right. For the things that God is talking to us about, if we all gave everything we had this moment, we still couldn't accomplish it. But the way that you're going to do this is for you to be empowered and for you to empower the generations of yes. disciples in this house. The generations from your own home where we're not restarting this every time. And your kids are having to figure out the things that you've already got. 
We're going to make sure that you are empowered, that your children are empowered, that your grandchildren are empowered, that you are able to lay hands on them because you not just know it inside of your head, but it is part of your body. And when you're laying hands on them, they get the power that you have. They can feel it. They can sense it. And they're changed by it. This isn't only the reason why we're preaching this this morning. This is the aim of God in a church. It is to see his people empowered that carries out the deeds today and provides the target for the generations tomorrow. Let me read to you Joshua eleven fifteen that illustrates this connection beautifully. Joshua eleven fifteen says this, as the Lord commanded his servant Moses. So Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua did it. Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. The partnership Moses had with God empowered a partnership between Moses and Joshua. What was vertically established between Moses and God resulted in an empowered partnership on earth. Look, I want you to see clearly, God is looking to partner so that he can empower. He wants to, and not just to a sole individual. God wants to empower relationships. He wants to empower covenant partners to accomplish his divine will on earth. And nothing illustrates this more than the marriage covenant. The marriage covenant is the primary way in which God designed to demonstrate his partnership with the body of Christ. It's his primary reason of why he wants to partner because he wants to empower his bride. Well, with that scene in God's model of what a covenant partnership that's empowered looks like, that's why we've been doing maximizing marriages for five weeks. That's why we've been investing in this. That's why we want to see you husbands have an empowered covenant relationship with your bride. That's why we want to see you fathers and mothers have an empowered relationship with your children. So that together you accomplish the divine deeds that God has ordained for you as a family to do. Well, this continues. Singles, I haven't left you out. Come on, singleness is a gift. That's right. When you have experienced a partnering with God and then are filled with power to go accomplish it, you should expect, everybody say expect, expect, you should expect that God will attach someone to you to participate in that empowered partnership. We see this in Adam. That's what we've been covering with you guys in the single class. He was created by God. God breathed his spirit into Adam. He became a living being. He was empowered to subdue. He was empowered to rule the garden. But don't you see that when he was operating in that empowerment, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will create a helper suitable for him, suitable to help him do even greater works than he could do by himself. When you're walking in that empowerment, there's an expectation, there's a contentment that God will bring about that easer to put by my side. God will give me the empowerment to do what I cannot fulfill in myself. Adam was in partnership with God. He was walking in divine deeds. He had a J-O-B. Yeah, he did. 
And he was empowered to accomplish it. But Eve was an empowerment to do even greater works with him. What was the result of this empowered relationship? I mean between Moses and Joshua. It was even greater works. Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. And that is our heart for the generations that come from us. Are you hearing the pattern, church? When you partner with God, a man like Adam partners with God and God empowers him by giving him Eve. When a man like, like, like Israel partners with God, he gives Moses, Joshua, each of these, each time that a man or, or woman partners with God and they begin to perform the deeds, God then empowers them supernaturally with any and everything that they need to be able to accomplish this. Look, when Moses hands this to Joshua, Joshua hands it to the elders. They continue it on even past the life of Joshua. And then we move into the judges. Let's take a look at Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 7. It says this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. They forgot what a partnership with God looked like. They had seen it over and over, generation after generation, from Adam all the way through to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and the elders. They had seen it time and time and time again work out rightly for them, but then they caused they forgot the Lord their God. They forgot what it was like to actually be empowered to walk in partnership. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that he sold them into the hands of Kishan Rishathaim, king of Aram, Aram Naharim, to whom the Israelites were subject to. I want you to notice we are in Judges 3, but this sounds very, very similar to what it looked like in Exodus 3. Where God said, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm hearing, and I am concerned. Therefore, I will come down, I will bring them out of Egypt, I will bring them into a good land, therefore I'm sending you, Moses. You can see what God is seeing here, you can see what he's hearing. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He is watching to know those who will partner with him so that he can empower them. And he is able because God here is being transparent. He's saying, this is the way that I feel when you forget the partnership with me. This is what it looks like for a group of people who don't walk in it. But, but church, we're learning how to walk in it. We are walking in this today. And we're able to see this because of the transparency of these passages of scripture. Hmm. Look how this continues in verse 9. But when they cried out to the Lord, is that crying out again? He raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel. Son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother who saved them. Look, what we see here is that there is a cry for empowerment. We need somebody to give us direction. We need someone that will lead us in the divine deeds and resolve these issues. And because of that cry, God empowered the nation of Israel with a judge who would rule over them justly who would do the very deeds that God was wanting to do through them as a nation. That he would bring both punishment and salvation by the hand of God through this man of God. There was somebody that God found that he could partner with. Here's Othniel. Look at the line that he comes from. He comes from Caleb, another man who partnered with me and that I empowered to bring justice for a generation. Look at verses 10 and 11. 
The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Why? So he could feel better about himself? So he could, <laughs> so he could enjoy his day? So that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Yeah, I get it. I am trying to relay something to you, and I, and, and I need the power of God to help me right now because I feel that this is an important barrier. And some of us in the room, we think we already get it, but I'm telling you, we hadn't got it yet. And we're trying. We're going we're to try to help you, and God is going to help us today. Amen. The reason that the Spirit comes upon a man is because that man has purpose. That man has deeds that he's supposed to accomplish. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Why? Because he was supposed to be Israel's judge and he was supposed to be Israel's general and lead them yeah. on into the war. Maybe the Spirit is not empowering you as much as you think because you're not yet walking in the purpose that God has for you as much as you think. I need the Spirit. of Yes, you need the Spirit of the Lord. Why do you want it? Why do you need it? Because I got a big work that I've got to accomplish, God. I've got something that you put in my soul and I can't stop. I won't stop. I've got to have your help. I'd rather die than stop. But please empower me. Please empower me that I could be Israel's judge. That I could lead into war. If we can get this in our soul today. You need more of the power of God because you need to be walking more in the will of God. Amen. He will empower that kind of person. You don't have to beg him to empower you. You walk in what he's told you to do and you will find that he will come and empower you every Amen. day, every time, all the time. The Lord gave Kushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, into the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. Of course he overpowered him because he had the power of God working in him. Yeah. That power is transformative. That power. <laughs> Come on. Come on. It's tenacious. That power of God will transform you. It will transform you. It will make you something different than what you were before. That happens as you are walking in the will of God. That happens as you're desperate and going, God, I'm getting clear. I've dialed in. I know that I'm a partner with you. I know that you are partnering with this church, God. That's not in question. I know you have things for me to do, but I've got to have your power. I've got to have that. I've got to have you transform me, God. Not just on the day of salvation, but every day so I can accomplish your will. Of course, Othniel overpowered the enemy. Othniel was empowered to overpower the enemy. We're going to go through quickly some other judges here because I want you to get this. There's a warfare that's going on in the room right now and I can feel it. This is not the time. It's not the time for you to be distracted in your soul. It's a time for you to learn what it's like to be empowered by the Spirit of God. I didn't just say filled with the Spirit. I said empowered by the Spirit of God. We're raising up a house here that knows how to be empowered. Not only filled with the Spirit, but empowered by the Spirit to walk in your call. When you think about being empowered towards a purpose, consider some other judges really quickly in Israel. 
How can you not think of Gideon? A man that was empowered by God to do the divine deeds. Judges 6.34 says this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. Come on, whenever the empowerment of God is falling upon you, you have divine power to do what you haven't been able to do before. You begin to rise up in leadership, men. There's no more of a cowering. There's no more of a vacuum left. You are now stepping into that role that God has ordained you to walk in. And there's a divine power for you to lead others. How do you know that somebody is a leader? Look behind them. People are following him. And why are they following him? Because he's empowered to do the deeds of the Lord. And he is inspiring others that they can be empowered to do the exact same thing. Come on, think about Barak in Judges 4. This was a man who said, said to Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And quickly put out of your mind that this was the wrong answer for Barak. This was a man, what you should hear in this verse is it sounds just like what Moses was saying. Look, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. Deborah, you're the judge in Israel. Come with me. I want to make sure that the presence of God is with me. I want to make sure that I'm empowered because I know victory will be ahead. This is transparency that you're seeing from Barak. God doesn't punish him. God blesses him for this kind of attitude. You, look, you may look at the next verse and go, hey, well, since you've decided to go about it this way, the Lord's going to give a victory to the woman. What if that's not punishment at all? What if that's a blessing from God himself that says, this kind of man who's willing to partner with me and doesn't care who gets the credit, then I'm going to get even more credit as God because I'll give it to someone who seemingly seems like they can't defeat this great enemy. See, the men and the women who are designed and walking in partnership with God and say, God, we just want your presence. I don't care who gets the credit. I don't care how I look. I don't care what it looks like to anybody else. I just want to see your will done. Use me. Use somebody else around me. I'll tag team them. I'll go somewhere else. Whatever it takes for you to accomplish your will. That's the kind of man that Barack is. Mm. How can you not think of Samson? Come on, man. In Judges 15, 14, it says, as he approached Lahai, the Philistines came toward him shouting, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes of his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands. Look, you look at the phrase, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. It occurs in many instances other than this. Whenever he takes down a lion, whenever he takes down 30 men, when he breaks these bonds of ropes when he's killing Philistines because that was his business and business was good. That he was empowered to do the deeds that God had designed him to do. But particularly looking at this verse, whatever is binding you up in fear, insecurity, and anxiety, the power of God is available when you partner with him to break it like charred flax. It's nothing to throw off fear. It's nothing to throw off anxiety and insecurity. And able to walk powerfully with the hands that God has empowered so that you can powerfully demonstrate his will on earth. Church, we are talking to you so that we, are not be that we don't become a sin-focused group of people. 
You have to sit, you have to repent of your sin, of course. But that's one seventh of the tabernacle process. What we're trying to do is talk to you today and say, do you want confidence in your walk with the Lord? Yes. Do you want to, do you want to be empowered by God himself? Yes. This is how you do it. This is how you walk forward. You're not going to focus on what you were. You're not going to focus on what you don't have. You're going to focus on partnering with him. You're going to become less self-conscious and only God conscious. And I promise you that kind of man, that kind of woman finds the power of God to do every good thing that God has for them to do. Amen. Think about somebody like King David. You have Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 13. We're just going to read it to you. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, somebody say that day on. That day on. What if that day on is this kind of a day for you? What if you've just run into that day? Yeah, you've been filled with the spirit before the calling is there before. But what if in this day that we're at now, the spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon you? More than just goosebumps, more than just just a little small part of it. What if it's more and you are powerfully imbued by the by the God of all heaven today? And you're able to walk differently. You're not focused on your fears. You're not focused on your failures. You're focused on the face of God. And you're Amen. able to operate just Amen. the way that he operates. Amen. May the spirit of God come powerfully upon us today. And think about the man who was praying this and laying hands on him. Also a man whom the spirit of God came powerfully upon. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. I can feel it inside of me. It feels like my heart is about to burst for you because I want you to get this so badly today. These are not well scripted things that we have for you today. These are scriptures that have moved my soul over the past few days. And I'm trying with all of my might to say, Lord, would you move their souls too? Because you're doing it in me, Lord. Would you do it in them too? Consider what Isaiah 11 says. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. God, here we are talking about David again. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. This passage in Isaiah is beautiful. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That is a seven-fold empowerment from God. Yes. Do you need some wisdom? Yes. Then you need the spirit of God. Do you need some understanding? Yes. Then you need the spirit of God. Do you need some counsel today? Yes. Then you need the spirit of God. Do you need more fear of the Lord? Yes. Then you need, this fear, you need the spirit of God today. That seven branch menorah of his spirit that comes and empowers you. But why? Look at verse three. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Hey. This is us not being sin conscious. Oh, the fear of the, oh, the fear of the Lord. Why do we view the fear of the Lord that way? When you have the sevenfold empowerment of the spirit, do you know what you do? You delight in the fear of the Lord. Hey, I am walking in the fear of the Lord. He is my father and he is good to me. He shows me when I'm making a mistake so I can get it right. But it gets better. 
he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Do you see the partnership in this verse? Do you see the spirit of God that's saying, this is exactly what Jesus did in John 5. This is exact. We don't see. We're not trying to discern it on our own. We're just trying to dial in our partnership with him. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. Do you understand why the partnership is there? So that you can move forward to verse 4 because you got work to do. The righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And then you're not only working on the deeds, you've got something that is so supernatural that it requires the empowerment of this sevenfold manifestation of God's spirit. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. You do enough of what God wants you to do, you'll start finding that there are supernatural deeds that come from what you're doing. It's not just based in what you can accomplish. It is based in what he can entrust himself to do through you. Empowered by his spirit. Led by his word. You are able to go forward and be empowered in this house today. We, gotta, we need more people in this house to be empowered in your actions. You got to have it. We're going to put fear. We're going to punch fear in the face today. You're going to overcome your insecurities today. Do you know why? Because the answer's been what it's always been. You need to be empowered by his spirit so you can accomplish his will. God is going to help us today. Church, when I look out, I see men and women who are going to be empowered to do even greater works. So many of you are diligent, hungry, you desire, and are doing the good works you should be doing now. But our goal is to do even greater works. Turn to Acts chapter 13. And as you turn there, I was going to give some, some background to what's happening here. Jesus was in partnership with the Father. And he demonstrated an obedience and submission to the will of the Father that resulted in the empowerment from the Father. You know, Luke 4 outlines this pretty well. Luke 4 is when he goes into Nazareth, opens up the scroll. It's Isaiah 61. It begins with the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He has empowered me. And then there is a list of deeds that the spirit is empowering for him to accomplish. Well, that's his partnership with the father that has empowered deeds. And understand this clearly in Jesus' life, after having been baptized by John, filled with the Spirit, overcoming temptation in the desert, he's standing in his own hometown reading from Isaiah 61. And from this scripture, he is clearly stating the reason why the Spirit of the Lord is on him. He's empowered to fulfill the deeds in Isaiah 61. His partnership with God was demonstrated in his empowered deeds that attached to him disciples. See, he leaves out of that synagogue. They're wanting to kill him. The very people in his own hometown. And he goes out and what does he do? He has empowered deeds that brings along disciples. He teaches them how to partner with the Father by partnering with him. And then when he ascends, he left them his Holy Spirit that would help them partner with each other. There would be empowered relationships that would then go and make more disciples. That by the time we get to Acts 13, we have disciples of disciples. 
Neither Barnabas nor Paul were part of that original 12. But the fulfillment of Isaiah 61 is gaining momentum and through all the disciples of the disciples, it's carrying out the fulfillment of even greater works. Acts 13 and verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, people who had partnered with the Lord. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who some Bible scholars think he should be Menachem, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Look up at me for just a second. Stop worrying about the Lord not speaking to you. What were they doing? They were just worshiping and fasting. They were, they were just worried about being a partner with him. Then the Holy Spirit says, I think we have the wrong kind of thought on our God. I think we impugn his character all the time. I think we discredit how good he is. We go around asking like we got to beg him to speak to us. Quit being afraid that he won't speak to you. They were just loving him and loving the partnership. And he's going to say what he wants to say. And I promise you, he will tell you what you need. I promise you, he can empower you. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work. Somebody say, for the work. For the work. That's why you get set apart. Amen. Quit trying to strive in your own strength to do something. You just fall in love with Jesus. You just partner with him. And I promise you, he can tell you what your deeds are supposed to be. I promise you, he can give you the strength to be able to do it. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on him. And then they sent him off. I love the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks and they love Jesus so much. They love the presence of God so much. They continue to fast and pray. They didn't even stop fasting and praying after the Lord spoke to him. They're like, this is so good. Because we were loving on him and now he spoke to us out of his goodness. Did anybody do anything this morning to come in here and hear the prophecies that God gave us during worship? Or did God just speak to you? Oh, so he's in the business of empowering those who are dedicated to him. You just get close to him. He'll speak to you everything you need. Let's not be fear driven. Let's not be sin conscience driven. Let's just be Jesus driven. Let's be his empowerment driven so that we can get accomplished what must be accomplished. Acts 13, 4. The two of them. How many? Two. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Went down to Seleucia and sailed there from Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of, the, of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. This two of them is identifying an empowered relationship, an empowered partnership, because they partnered with God and are now empowered to be partnered with each other. And they're sent out by the Spirit to do what? It said proclaim. It's the very things that we saw in that list of Isaiah 61. They're continuing the work that was commissioned by Jesus. But when we're looking at all of these things, Jesus, anointed, empowered to do the deeds. Disciples, anointed, empowered to do divine deeds. You, empowered to do divine deeds. Every person in this room, you have access to the empowerment of God to do what you're called to do. Well, say it with me. Say, I, I am, empowered. am empowered. And God will, and God will 
Give me that power. Let's turn to Hebrews 11 for our final scripture of the day. Hebrews 11 and verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon. Barak. Samson. Jephthah. David. Samuel. And the prophets. I don't have time to go back and tell you any more about these men. I want to tell you of a revelation that hit me as I was studying Hebrews 11. We were thinking about the spirit coming in power on people. And so I was studying about the spirit coming in power upon people. And who I found was Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. What we found was that when we were looking for men who the spirit had come upon, we saw the same men in this list who had mighty works before the Lord. Wow. It's not just great faith that's required. It's great faith that shows in you being empowered and fulfilling the deeds that God has for you. My God. I know that seems so simple. It blew me away. Lord, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't trying to do something preachery and have Hebrews 11 and go down the men and see. I was looking at how do you become empowered by the Spirit and I saw the same list of people. Look at verse 33. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Administered justice. Gained what was promised. Shut the mouths of lions. By the way, they didn't even put his name in there. They just put his deeds in there. Quenched the fury of the flames. Escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength. My God, church. Whose weakness was turned, was transformed into strength. You have to understand this with me today. Your weakness can be turned to strength. I don't just mean that you learn to compensate for it. I don't just mean that you learn to adjust around it. That when you become empowered, your weakness is turned to strength. What does that look like in the word? That looks like Moses saying, I, 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 I can't speak. I, I, I have a stuttering problem. Fine, then God will make you the mouthpiece of all mouthpieces for the entire history of my people. Yes. He's, there's not a prophet like Moses. Uh, Jeremiah. Jer- what does that look like to have your weakness turn to strength? You're like Jeremiah saying, I'm both too young and I cannot speak. What was the Lord's rebuke of Jeremiah? Do not say that. Don't you say that anymore. What you need to overcome your weaknesses is to be empowered by the Spirit of God. And why does He empower a man? Why does He empower a woman? Because you're doing His will. Come on, what weaknesses need to be turned to strength inside of you? I'm too aggressive. I'm too afraid. I, 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 I can't do it. I'm not making fun 
of a speech impediment, I'm making fun of your fears. I'm making fun of the internal dialogue that you have that sounds just as stuttering as what Moses may have done before he was empowered to speak. I, I, I can't lead my wife right. I, I, I can't fix my kids. I, I can't overcome the sin. You can have your weakness turned to strength today. Amen. Quit your stuttering. Stop it. It serves no purpose in the kingdom of God. You've got to rise up in your heart and say, Lord, come and empower me. I'll do whatever you tell me to. I've got to have your power at work inside of me. Amen. My God, church, what is God wanting to do for us today? He's wanting to empower you. Moses says, hey, these people, they're too heavy for me. I can't do it. Did I conceive them? Did I give them birth? And God's answer was to give him and the people around him, the 70 elders, an empowerment so that they could walk rightly in the ways of God. Church, you've got to have this empowerment today. One more, one more passage here. The weakness was turned to strength. And who, read the next four words with me, became powerful in battle. Catch the truth with me. Y'all ready? They didn't, come power, they didn't become powerful before the battle. They became powerful in the battle. Yeah. Stop waiting to feel empowered before you go and be empowered. That's good. Stop waiting for yes. God to give you all the details before you rise up and say, I'm going to be empowered. I don't need the details. I need his power in my Amen. life. You got to change what's going on inside of your heart. I got to wait till I feel better before I can accomplish God's will. Shame on you. No. Stop stuttering. You are going to become, you're going to become powerful in the battle. Husbands, you're going to learn how to pastor your wives in the battle. You're going to become powerful in the battle. You're going to be able to do this because you say, I'm partnering with him and I see the battle that's ahead and I'm just going to do it or die trying. Amen. Those are the men and women that God will empower. Stand to your feet with me. Church, as you're standing, I hear the hunger in your cry. I hear the desire to be empowered to do His will. Wasn't that clear insight that became powerful in battle? I want to give you three very clear steps that we covered earlier with Moses and applies to you right now. We're going to begin to lift up our voice, staying in your seats as a cry for this empowerment through transparency. We're going to lift up our hands and our heads and we're going to cry to the Lord 
Lord, I need your presence to be with me. I know it's there. I know it's mine. I'm going to step forward in obedience, but I need that power from you. Then we're going to walk in an expectation of his empowerment to be transformed. I'm talking about overcoming fear, overcoming anxiety, overcoming insecurities. Today is that day that you can stand and be empowered by the living God and be what you're called to be. And then we're going to be tenacious to continue in it. It won't be just for today, but this is how we go every day. We're going to be tenaciously seeking his power. Today is the day. God is wanting to empower some of you as never before. Yes, you've been spirit-filled. Yes, you've spoken in tongues. Yes, you've prophesied. Now it's time to get empowered. Emp raise your hands now. Mighty God, you empower men. You empower women to achieve your will. We don't have to beg you. We have to get in the battle and be transformed by you. Speak to your people in this room now, mighty God. Empower your people now, God. Transform us now, God. No more stuttering in our spirit of what we can't do. Our weaknesses will be turned to strength in this house. Empower your people today. Transform us today. Let us be tenacious today. Let salvations be wrought in this room. More of your spirit, God. More of your baptism. And more of your empowering to carry out your will. We began our message in John 14, 12. Could pull that scripture up. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever shows trust-grounded obedience in me will also do the works that I do. Now, consider that. The works that Jesus did. Pretty supernatural. We're raising dead people. Supernatural that is empowered by his Father. And let's put this in context to us right here, right now. And greater works than these will he do. That will is for you. That's for every person in this room. But there's a way in by which we get the empowerment to do those greater works. It's how this verse ends. Because I am going to the Father. Going to, partnering with the Father is what provides the outpouring of his empowerment on you. Here's what I'd like for us to do as a family and as a church. Because we've been covering maximizing our marriages, focusing on securing our singles, making sure that everyone in our church has the foundation for God to partner with you and his power to be displayed to you. I want to do something very practical right here, right now. Husbands, let's start with you. Have your wives stand next to you. And I'd like for the worship team to participate in this as well. Because join your families. If your wife is in children's church or your 
husband's not here, join a family member that's with you. Husbands, what you're going to do is we pray. You are going to empower your family because you have been empowered by the Father. You've walked through transparency. You've been through transformation. And now you're going to tenaciously transmit that empowerment to your family. For those of you who are single, particularly live in single guys' houses and single girls' groupings, you guys group together. If you don't live in a single home, find other singles of the same gender and join them. It's very important, same gender here. So husbands, do you have your families with you? Yes. Singles, are you grouped together? Yes. yes. Amen. As we begin to pray, as I begin to pray, I want you to pray for those that are under your care and next to you. Empower them. Intercede for them. Just as Jesus desired to see his disciples, to see you, that you will be empowered. Have that same expectation that you and your family would be empowered to go and do the divine deeds that he's made you to go do. Right now, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you for giving us the clarity and the direction of how we are to be empowered by you and from the Father. Well, that right now, husbands, they empower their families in the name of Jesus. May their hands bring about direction, bring about direct correction, bring about life-giving power that brings out the Abigail within their spouse, brings out the Abigail in their children, brings out the Abigail in their disciples. That for the singles, Lord, they are empowered to see singleness as a gift. That they are walking in the divine deeds and your power is right there with them. Every day they go to work, every day they fellowship, that your word is on their tongue and it is powerfully advancing your kingdom through their speech. Lord, we pray for our households, joint households, single households. Lord, empower them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, may the even greater works be accomplished through these households and for us as a church. Lord, we thank you for your empowerment by your spirit. And we say we love you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This that we just did, it should be a sign and a marker of what we're to do every day.